Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Thank you, my magnificent audience. For your forbearance, as I was gone three days this past week, obviously, wonderful, wonderful guest hosts. I want to thank them. I'm here all this week. Next week, I'll be gone three days, too, on a special project. I'll let you know about it next week. Uh, I'm not out there, uh, you know, like a liberal broadcaster taking time off the smoke pot in the hills of Montana. Nope. Changa. Vermont. Now, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the the Democrat candidates now running for president. They've narrowed it down to uh, individuals, Mr. Producer, who are translucent on one end of the color spectrum. And, of course, if you're running as a Democrat, you've got to keep an eye on the spectrum. Translucent to uh, just flat-out silk white. That's fine by me. I mean, I'm not into this race thing. As I say, that's what the Democrats do. But still, I notice they're not talking about it much. In terms of the top-tier candidates, I see they're all translucent. Do you see this, Mr. Producer? Bernie Sanders is translucent. Joe Biden, translucent. Buttigieg, translucent. Kobacher, translucent. What's left? Oh, Bloomberg, translucent. Steyer, worse than translucent. He's the invisible man. And we can go on. Hey, don't forget Yang. Is he still running? Yes. Uh, Not really. So that's where we are, the Democrat Party, which relies heavily on minorities, African Americans, Latinxes, Asian Americans. Relies heavily on people of color, as we say have no people of color in the top-tier candidates. I'm just pointing that out. Now, one of the reasons is the first two primary states. Mark, Iowa's a cock-ass state. You understand my point. I have no problems with Iowa. I have no problems with New Hampshire. I've never been to either. I don't know what I'd do without Iowa. I love corn. So we love Iowa here. New Hampshire, I love New Hampshire. I don't know what they produce. Maple syrup? Okay, whatever. I have no problems with New Hampshire. The problem is, they're not exactly reflective of society. I'm not even talking about race. What industries are in New Hampshire? In New Hampshire. Again, it's not a put-down. It is a largely homogeneous um, state. Largely a suburban, rural-type state. And in Iowa, it's a very small state, very small population. 
I mean, if I were the parties, I'd fix this. I really, I really would. But they're not going to. So the latest poll, and I'm not into polls, but the latest poll nonetheless is quite revealing. Very interesting. Let's see here. Let me get to the latest poll. Hello, hello. I'm okay. I got it. The latest poll in New Hampshire. Let's see. Is it uh, nationwide or New Hampshire? No, it's nationwide. Bernie Sanders at 25%. I'm going to get into this in a minute. Joe Biden at 17%. I'm surprised he's still at 17%. Mike Bloomberg, 15%. Elizabeth Warren, 14%. Pete Buttigieg, 10%. Amy Klobuchar, 4%. We keep hearing that Klobuchar has quite the juggernaut building. Have you heard that, Mr. Producer? Oh, yeah. They're going to turn to a moderate sort of centrist type. She's not moderate. Nobody on this list is moderate or a centrist. They're all nuts. Some are more nuts than others. It's a debate between the Leninists, the Trotskyites, the Stalinists, maybe even the Maoists. Now I want to turn first to Bernie Sanders at 25%. First of all, 25% is nothing. Nothing. But Bernie Sanders is not a democratic socialist, whatever that is. He doesn't believe in the Democratic part at all. If you believe in iron-fisted socialism, that is Marxism of one form or another, you cannot believe in the Democratic part because all the decisions are taken away from you. When you centralize decision-making on colleges and health care and economic issues in Washington, D.C., And under Bernie Sanders' proposals, listen to this, the federal government would double in size. Double in size. The rest of the country would see their resources being drained out of their communities and sent to Washington, D.C. for a massive bureaucracy, massive redistribution of wealth, massive taxes, massive regulations, massive programs. This isn't a serious idea. This is serious devil worship. That's right, I said it. Why would you destroy the most robust, the most humane, the most redistributive economic system on the face of the earth? If we only had people who could explain capitalism. Folks, capitalism redistributes wealth every single day. If you go into the supermarket, if you go to the gas station, you go to the mechanic... You go to a baseball game. Whatever you do, you're voluntarily redistributing wealth. You're giving up some of your income for something in return, a service, a product, what have you. So we're always redistributing wealth. The difference is when the government redistributes wealth. The government can't possibly know what your actual needs are, particularly in an area as complicated and complex as health care. If the government, twice the size that it is today, is going to be making decisions about who gets what, you're going to be begging the government, begging bureaucrats, if you can even figure out who they are, begging them for whatever it is that you need. So that's not liberty. That's tyranny. 
When you have somebody running around and say free college for all, I say this, do we want free college for all? So they want to pour tens of billions of dollars into these institutions that are already profligate, that are already driving up tuitions, driving up tenured professors' salaries, driving up overhead costs for these massive uh, empires that they build on these campuses. Why should we do that? Why should so much of our resources be focused? Well, we need an educated public. We never go over what the colleges and universities are educating, or teaching, I should say. We never go over that. So there's no substantive review of what's being taught in classrooms. You're not allowed to. You just have to pony up. It's not clear to me that people today who've gone to college are smarter than people yesterday who went to college, or smarter than people generally. The reason Bernie Sanders believes in free college for all is twofold. Number one, these are built-in propaganda mills where they control the faculty and the administration. So they are built-in propaganda mills. That's number one. Number two, free college for all, this is a way to control society in many respects. You come out of there with groupthink. There's not diverse think. And he's paying off a big part of his base. The millennials. The millennials. The millennials. Hey, what's with that term? I hate it. And so it's a sop to 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. And their parents, in many cases, particularly ladies in the suburbs who, yes, yes, why should we have to pay for this, darling? Why should we have to pay for this? We don't want to pay for this. We don't want to pay for anything. We want to keep as much of our money as possible and have some other slob pay for things. But I want to talk more about Bernie Sanders when we return, and I also want to talk about Michael Bloomberg. I wish I knew who it was because I'd give them credit. But I'm pretty sure I heard the other day he was referred to as an American oligarch. Was it Bannon? It was somebody. And I tip my hat to whomever it was. It's the perfect, perfect characterization of Michael Bloomberg. He's an oligarch. I'm not saying that because he's rich. I'm not one of these populists. I'm a constitutional conservative who believes in capitalism. Because capitalism is the most humane system on the face of the earth. No, 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 no. I'm mentioning this because Bloomberg is an oligarch. He is spending fortunes on local races and state races to take over various state legislatures like they did in Virginia. And he's spending fortunes on trying to destroy Donald Trump, whether he wins the nomination or not. And one of the reasons is, and I've talked about this myself at great length, and you've been here to hear it. He has connections to the Marxist regime in Beijing, in China, to Xi. And he wants to keep those connections. He has defended that genocidal regime. And one of the safest ways to maintain those economic relationships is to destroy Donald Trump and defeat Donald Trump, whether or not Bloomberg becomes president or not. Because Trump is the toughest, the toughest American president, uh, certainly since the Chinese so-called revolution, the toughest American president to confront red China ever, ever, with his tariffs on China the military buildup, and so forth. 
So Bloomberg is spending hundreds. He has spent hundreds of millions of dollars already. And we're in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. $350 million. He's in New Hampshire. The guy's worth like $50, $60, $70 billion. Okay, great. Great. He could be worth whatever he wants. But he, and I say this seriously, he's trying to protect and advance his own personal interests in red China. And the man who stands in his way most prominently is our president, Donald Trump. I'll be right back. Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. So, uh, we have Mike Bloomberg. Who was it, uh, Richie, that came up with the oligarch statement? As best we can tell. Ted Malik of America Greatness. Well done. And I'm going to continue to use it because he is. Not because he's rich, but because he's what he's trying to do. But Mac, as we like to say in New Hampshire, but Mac, you always oppose these kind of limits, don't you? Yes, I do. But I can confront what this man is doing. This man is not just trying to buy the presidency. If he fails, he's already made it clear. He's out to defeat Trump. Why? Oh, because all the Democrats are out No, 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 no. Because it's in his own best interest. Now, can you imagine the Democrats with the Emoluments Clause, which they just lost on, by the way, the other... Hey, you know the Emoluments Clause. How do you spell it? I don't know. I'll have to ask Katie Turr. Katie Turr, who's very concerned about gerrymandering in the Senate. Did you hear this, Mr. Producer? Yes, she's very concerned... She's very concerned about gerrymandering in the Senate. But you can't gerrymander in the Senate. People come from states. You gerrymander in the House. And and this is a political reporter. This is a political... Go ahead. Hit it. Cut 12. Go. So um, what is the, what's the resolution to that? Is, is gerrymandering something that would help um, improve the situation? Is, how, does, how does that sort of divide promote consensus in the Senate or even in the House? Well, I mean, they're, they're the only resolution. Now, that's enough. Thank you. In, and Philly Bump, our friend Philly Bump from the Washington Compost, didn't mean to correct her, did he, Mr. Producer? Philly! You didn't let us down. You're a fraud and you always have. He's a leftist dressed up as a journalist. Another one of those. An opinionist. An opinionist, Philly Bump, of the Washington Compost. There they are, the Washington Compost, MSLSD, explaining to the American people, hey, we could have gerrymandering in the Senate and the House, and that's very divisive, you know. 
No, you idiot. You actually can't. But back to the other idiots. So you have this Mike Bloomberg now. Now, Mike Bloomberg is much like, really, Mitt Romney, with billions more. He's a chameleon. Mike Bloomberg's been a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent. A Republican and a Democrat. Whatever works. New York City mayors had a two-term limit. But I'm Mike Bloomberg. And so he bought his way to three terms. Because he's Mike Bloomberg and the world can't live without him. Mike Bloomberg has all but destroyed the Commonwealth of Virginia. He and Soros have installed radical leftists who oppose the Bill of Rights. If you oppose the Second Amendment, you oppose the Bill of Rights. It's time we talk in actual language here, among other things. But he's bought off, you know, stop and frisk. He, he was a supporter of stop and frisk, which was really started by Giuliani. Now he's opposed to it. Why are you opposed to it? Because it's a radical kook Democrat party now. By the way, let's move to Biden. What's Biden's big problem, Mr. Producer? He's not with it. He's, he's, not, he's not well, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm being honest. He's not well. His memory is kaput. His synapses don't synap. And so that's the problem. He's the great moderate hope. And of course, he's, he's lurched left. But even Obama probably said, all right, he's vice president. He's got his own office. Put him in his office. Lock the door. Whatever. Send him to Ukraine. We don't care about Ukraine. He'll be our... Hey, Mama says, keep him busy. He's our point man on Ukraine. And of course, we know what came of that. But these are the three top now. And then we have Buttigieg. Can anybody in America tell me about Buttigieg's accomplishments? Just one big, juicy accomplishment. Can you think of one? No, but he's a fresh face. Oh, okay, that works. He has no major significant accomplishments. He's a hardcore leftist. He too wants to get rid I, I love that. You know, moderate, left of center. What's he want to do? Abolish the electoral college. Oh, that's moderate. What else? He wants to legalize every form of drugs in the nation, or at least decriminalize them, including cocaine, including Think of any drug you want to. Now that's what we need in the Oval Office, don't we? With a bunch of zombies walking around him. I'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. 
Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Do you think America is racist from top to bottom? Now, when somebody says America is racist from top to bottom, they're saying you are racist from top to bottom. What do you think America is? America is not a thing. No, it's a country, of course. But America is about the American people. The American people. Are you racist from top to bottom? Aren't you sick of hearing stuff like that? Whatever your race is. You see, that's the thing about Marxism and Bernie the Red. You've got to destroy things in order to rebuild them in your, in your image, in your diabolical image. Marx tells us this. You must destroy the existing society. Wipe it out. All governmental structures, religion, the family unit, customs, institutions, because they're all based, this is this historicism, they're all based on, what, evil foundations. And the only way to reverse this and to finally free up the people is to destroy all these institutions that have been bastardized from day one. From day one. So in order to have radical, egalitarian society, where everybody has whatever they need, where there aren't winners and losers, there's only winners. In order to do that, you have to destroy what you today possess. Please listen to me, this is important. Your lifestyle has to be destroyed. Bernie Sanders will never tell you the truth. That's the other thing about Marxists. They lie. They lie. They must destroy your lifestyle. They must destroy your income, your jobs. As I said, the family unit. Government becomes central to all things. Go look at China right now. Whether replacing photographs and statues of Jesus Christ in Christian churches, what's left of them in China, with statues and portraits of Xi. Look how they're wiping out the Muslims. Look how they're, they're wiping out all religious entities, the Buddhists, and of course the Christians. Because they must, if they're going to be true Marxists. And it gets worse and worse and worse. Why? You know, after the Russian Revolution of 1917, I would tell this to Katie Turr, after the Russian Revolution, and if you read Marx, and parts of Marx are pretty damn complicated, but if you read them, I've read them, Marx and Engels. One of the things Lenin said, and I've written about this, sometime after the revolution when they actually took over the Russian government, the monarchy. Lenin, it's written, has said, okay, great, Marx doesn't tell us how to, how to administer his ideology. In other words, what do we do now? And what do they do? Well, first of all, they're busy killing each other. Eventually, Stalin grabs the reins of power, slaughtering his way to the top. What does he do? He executes his fellow revolutionaries, anybody who threatens him. Executes everybody who who led the military. Executes the lawyers and the doctors. In other words, he's instituting... Marxism. You must eliminate the existing society and replace it with another. A more humane society. 
All societies, Marx says, are ultimately based on material wealth. And so those who are rich today, or well-off today, and those who are poor today, the only way, the only way to even things up and create a just society is to eliminate those and that which creates an unjust society. And when you listen to Bernie Sanders, how he talks about, quote-unquote, the rich, and when you listen to Bernie Sanders when he talks about the corporations, this is Marxism. It's just that Katie Turr and Harry Elk are too stupid to recognize it, or they don't care. You actually have a candidate out there who pretends to be, quote-unquote, a democratic socialist because he's trying to candy-coat what he really is, an iron-fisted, brass-knuckle Marxist. That doesn't mean he's not a tactician. It doesn't mean he's going to scare off all the voters at once. But you know who understands exactly what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? Barack Obama. Because Barack Obama has studied what I've studied. Or at least it's been taught to him. I've studied it. Barack Obama knows what Bernie Sanders is. And it's not that he's necessarily hostile to the, to the end goal. He knows that if the American people become aware of who Bernie Sanders is in it, he's the Democrat nominee, they're going to get slaughtered. And I don't think Donald Trump is going to sit there and play toesies with Bernie Sanders. Now, I have friends, good friends, well-meaning friends, who send me emails, Schmark, we want Bernie to be the nominee. I have several say that. Please stop pounding on him. I will always pound on tyranny, and I will always pound on a Marxist-slash-fascistic politician who breeds this stuff without challenge. People will say things to Bernie Sanders like, what's the bill? How much does it cost? What they'll never say to him is, let's walk through your ideology. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, I just tell you the truth. Bernie Sanders will not come on my radio show. He will not come on Levin TV. He will not come on Life, Liberty, and Levin. How many more platforms can I have? He will not do it. He will not do it because I know who he is and what he is. And I would have a wonderful time talking to him about it. And he would raise his voice and wave his hands and try and deflect, and I wouldn't put up with it. Not for a minute. But Chuck Todd is intellectually incapable of this discussion. Jake Tapper is intellectually incapable of this discussion. Fredo Cuomo is intellectually incapable, period. They won't have this discussion. I would. He's a very, very dangerous man. Now, as for America being racist top to bottom, are you? Because Bernie Sanders is talking about you. America. That means Americans. He's worse than Kaepernick. In fact, he said it during the debate. Let's listen. And by the way, nobody challenged him. Nobody. None of the moderators, none of the other Democrats. Go. This is not about polls. I'm not talking about polls. We have nine members of the Black Caucus in South Carolina supporting us. But more importantly... Much of what Elizabeth said is absolutely correct. We have a racist society from top to bottom impacting health care, housing, criminal justice, education, you name it. And clearly this is an issue that must be dealt with. But in terms of criminal justice... Stop. What does that mean? What does that mean? That we have a racist society top to bottom and it's an issue that must be dealt with. You shouldn't get away with that. What does that mean? Are there racists in this society? Are there racists in every society? But this society doesn't promote and perpetuate racism 
as an agenda. Far from it. This is the most diverse society on the face of the earth. No exceptions. Except for maybe Vermont. It is the most diverse society on the face of the earth. The Latinx population now exceeds the African-American population. And we use the phrase African-American to describe, because this is the way it's come to be, all black people in this country, even if they're not from Africa, if they're from the Caribbean or what have you, fine. African-American, Latinxes. Now, we, need, we mean Latinos and Latinas, but this is the language. So I play along in jest, but I play along. People who are coming into this country by droves are not coming into this country from Scandinavia. One of uh, Sanders' claim favorite areas of the world, which he lies about as well. He has to lie about everything. Scandinavia is not socialist. But he keeps pointing to it because he knows the media don't know what the hell's going on in Scandinavia. And nobody's going to look at what's going on in Scandinavia. Plus, it sounds so harmless, doesn't it? I just want what they have in Scandinavia. Nobody thinks of iron-fisted mobsters in Scandinavia. Think of people running around in wooden shoes, right? Doing angels in the snow, maybe ice skating year-round. Now, that's what people think. They don't think, oh, my God, is this like the gulags in Cuba? No, 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 Scandinavia. Scandinavia. Nobody stops this man and says, wait a minute. Racist from top to bottom? No, we're not. Because the Democrat Party has bought into this hardcore Marxist ideology even though they would be repulsed and cringed by my statement, as I will be attacked on the internet tomorrow for saying it. I don't care. The truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. I think I heard somebody say that once. That's the problem. So top to bottom, we are racist. Top to bottom, uh, we are unequal. Top to bottom, people can't get health care. Now, you know that's not true. It's costly. Because of all the government regulations, government interference, the government's been involved in healthcare, ladies and gentlemen, for 75 years. 75 years. And in a very aggressive way, for over half a century, driving up costs, creating healthcare dislocations. But that's never examined. Instead, we need more government. And in Bernie's case, twice the size of government. And I've told you many times before if government healthcare worked, the VA will be a paradise. But it doesn't. And it's not. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, 
and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast to coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Chiron on TV that Klobuchar is surging in the latest poll. Doesn't it say she's at 4%, Mr. Producer? Well, she's quadrupled her last poll at 1%. She is just unbelievable. And she's accomplished so much in her career. Name one thing. Well, whatever. But let's go back to Mike Bloomberg as I do a This Is Your Life as we go around the wheel of Democrat nutjob candidates. Here's Mike Bloomberg. Now, now, before we get to Mike Bloomberg, there's really two types of leftists, Marxists, or something akin to that, maybe short of that. Either somebody who is an extraordinarily wealthy, who can essentially withstand anything. Withstand anything. They can leave the country, they can move their money, whatever it is, extraordinarily. I'm not talking about millionaires, I'm talking about people worth half a billion, a billion and more. Or those those who are utterly unaccomplished in their entire lives. Utterly unaccomplished in the real day-to-day world. They pontificate like homeless people. That's all they do. That's Sanders. That's Sanders. He'll talk about how important it is. Democracy, little d democracy. And yet we all know if we had little d democracy, Vermont wouldn't exist. States don't matter. You'd have direct elections. And Bernie would never have been elected to the Senate. Right? Two senators from Vermont? That's like having two senators from Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Producer. Anyway, just to show you how into it Bloomberg is, ladies and gentlemen, this is just a few years back, a little over three years ago, December 2016, Bloomberg, cut 11, go. If you want to know, is somebody a good salesman, give them the job of going to the Midwest and picking a town and selling to that town the concept that some man wearing a dress should be in the locker room with their daughter. If you can sell that, you can sell anything. (laughs) I mean, they just look at you and they say, what on earth are you talking about? And you say, well, this person identifies his or her gender as different than what's on their birth certificate. And they say, what what do you mean? You're either born this or or you're born that. Wow, this man, I tell you, he's so profound. He's a deep thinker. Yeah, yeah, you know, a guy's wearing a dress. He's in your daughter's locker room. Uh, you got a problem with that? Well, Bloomberg apparently doesn't. I'm sure his kids went to public schools where guys were wearing dress in the boys' locker room. Wouldn't you assume that, Mr. Producer? Oh, Yes. So you're a bunch of rubes, you see, particularly those of you uneducated Midwest rubes. You're just not with it. The program is, if there's a guy in a dress in your daughter's locker room, what the hell's the problem? What is the problem? And you know, these, these rubes in the Midwest, they say, you know, what are you talking about? I don't support that. We used to call that a pervert. Pervert? My God! It's now a civil rights issue. It is a pervert? Yeah, that's right! May I say with all due respect, so you see, this is the oligarch. This is the, uh, he'll be whatever you need him to be. 
He'll be whatever you need him to be because he wants to spend an enormous amount of money to secure his relationship with the genocidal communist regime in China. And the man who stands in his way is Donald Trump. He's an oligarch, an American oligarch. And Bernie Sanders is an utterly unaccomplished Marxist. And I'll continue to say it. Well, and then they'll look up in the dictionary. The Chuck Todd types. Hey, Francis, yeah? Let's look up what an Marxist is, and then we can show that Levin and the rest of them are really cuckoo. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay, okay, Chuck, let's do it. I think of Chuck, I think of that restaurant. Chuck E. Cheese, Mr. Producer. Yeah, the, the mouse. But anyway, there he is, Chuck Todd. Guy's name is Charles. If you want to be the host of Meet the Depressed, do you want to, hey, my name is Chuck. No, your name is Chuck. No, no, it's Chuck. Well, we'll take you seriously. Anyway, so here's the point. The point is that they want to impose their will. Hey, if you don't like the fact that there's a man in a dress in your daughter's locker room, there's something wrong with you. Why is this going on? What did I tell you about Marxism? Everything has to be destroyed. Everything. Whether it's in the bathroom, whether it's in the locker room. Everything. Whether it's baking a cake for somebody you want to bake it for, somebody you don't want to bake it for, their wedding or whatever. Got to destroy it. Call everything a civil right. Call everything a matter of equality. Anyone who disagrees with you, they're a bigot and a racist. And you see it happening today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got plenty more. I shall return. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, By the way, the newest numbers, Bernie Sanders has skyrocketed in New Hampshire to 29% among Democrats. My God, 29%. Now, my calculation is that means 71% wants somebody. It doesn't matter. My God, Bernie's at 29%. He may even top 30. You never know. And Klobuchar nationally has shot up to 14% nationally. 14%, 14%, my God. She's unstoppable. Unstoppable Amy Klobuchar. 14%. My Lord. These are pathetic numbers. I'm just saying. You know, I posted something about the president last week. Uh, I think it was the first day I had left, maybe the day before I left. I thought it was very important. We need to start thinking and talking positively about the president. We really do. And some people misunderstood. You know, Mark always cautions us not to, uh, not to get too easy here when it comes to these elections. Have resolve. Don't take anything for granted. I still believe that. That has nothing to do with what I posted. 
step back and look at what's going on in this country today. Take the media goggles off your eyes. Reject the media propaganda just for a few minutes. Clear your cranium. Clear your brain. Let your mind go. Now come back to me. Okay. You've cleaned out all the dirt and poison of the left and the media. Same thing. Now think about what's going on in this country. Here's a piece by Gallup. New high of 90% of Americans satisfied with their personal lives. 90% of Americans. American satisfaction with personal life highest in 40 years. Two and three Americans say they are very satisfied. Also a new high. These are tremendous numbers. Despite the daily negative hammering on you through television and through the rest of the media. Most of you are quite satisfied with your lives. Not racism top to bottom. Not healthcare must be destroyed in order to put a Soviet style in place. And all the rest of it. There are always challenges and difficulties. Life is filled with very difficult challenges. It just is. In any form of society. In any culture. But in our society, the vast majority of people face less challenges than the vast majority of people in other societies. Who have to crawl on their hands and knees to eat. Or who can't go on the internet and express themselves. You see that suicide in uh, Russia, Mr. Producer? There's a guy who opposes Putin, among other things. And they find him with his throat slit and multiple stab wounds to the chest. Just another suicide. Well, we don't do that in this country. So they looked at the mood of the country. In addition to personal life, it's a 20-year high in America's confidence in the economy. 86% said in December they were very or fairly happy. 86%. Again, a multi-decade high. Two in three Americans are very satisfied with the direction of their personal lives. This is a big deal. Now, you wouldn't know this if you watch MSLSD or the Constipated News Network or read the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost or the rest of it. Because they poison your mind with left-wing pablum. They must tear down the country. If there are not fissures in society, real or imagined, if there are not imperfections in society, few or many, what would the left do? You can't rejigger the culture. You can't destroy what is and create something new. Which isn't really new. It's the same iron-fisted you-know-what. This is what they do. But the fact is, most Americans are pretty damn happy with their lives and pretty damn happy with the economy. So in steps a Marxist. And in steps these various mutations of Marxism socialism. We call ourselves progressive, which of course is the opposite of what they are. And we have this other aspect of the Democrat Party. How many Democrats 
running for president in their nomination support the state of Israel? How many of them? I mean, seriously, not the propaganda, support the state of Israel. Bernie Sanders likes to go around and say, Yo, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. I, I am. I'm Jewish. I, I have a great belief in the state of it. No, he doesn't. The Bernie Sanders plan, his two-state solution plan for Israel is a final solution plan. Why do you think AOC supports him? And the likes of a Talib or an Omar, if they don't directly support him, they will support him. Why do you think? If you hate America, you hate Israel. If you hate Israel, you hate America. For many of the same reasons. The values, the principles are really one and the same. They're one and the same. And yet, the Marxists, their so-called values and principles are really one and the same with various forms of autocracy. Like the Palestinian Authority. Or worse. Or worse. I want to get to Bill Barr. Bill Barr said today, that they are in fact looking into the Ukrainian information provided to them by Rudy Giuliani. And the media today, it's like, they report this in hushed tones. Oh my God. That's a hushed tone. Oh my God. Have you heard about that? Heard about what? Bill Barr. He's such a hack, you know. He's actually going to look into information provided by Rudy Giuliani. Well, why wouldn't he? Can look at it, dismiss it, embrace it, follow it, whatever. Why wouldn't he? particularly given the corruption that existed there under Obama, where they actually manufactured phony evidence and used it under oath in a court, where they actually put spies... I still can't get over this, that the Obama administration put spies in the Trump campaign. Hollywood thinks that's fine, by the way. No problem. Hollywood, that's great. Media think it's fine. Media helped perpetuate this scandal, this phony scandal. But here's Bill Barr today. Cut one, go. Senator Graham says that uh, Rudy Giuliani will be providing the department information on related to Ukraine and the Bidens. What is the process for receiving this information? Who will evaluate it? And uh, is this something that you feel the need to recuse yourself? Now stop a second. Why should he recuse himself? Why should he recuse himself? What's the conflict? That he works for Donald Trump? I notice... People like Eric Holder, who are true radical partisans, they never recuse themselves. They view themselves as the defender of the president, not the country. So why would Barr recuse himself? Barr's not going to allow that, like Sessions. You know what? You might be right. Maybe I should recuse. Barr's not going to fall for that crap. This is his second time around the block. What was his answer? Go. Well, as, as I've previously said, the, the, the DOJ uh, has the obligation to have an open door to anybody uh, who wishes uh, to provide us information that, that they think is relevant. Uh, but as I did say to Senator Graham, in, in, uh, we have to be very careful in, uh, with, it, with respect to any information coming from the Ukraine. Uh, there are a lot of uh, agendas in the Ukraine. There are a lot of cross-currents. Uh, and we can't take anything we receive from the Ukraine at face value. And for that reason, uh, we had uh, established a, an intake process in the field 
so that uh, any information coming in about Ukraine could be carefully scrutinized by the department uh, and its uh, intelligence community partners uh, so that we could assess its provenance uh, and its credibility. And, you know, that is true for all information uh, that comes to the department relating to the Ukraine, including uh, anything Mr. Giuliani might provide. This is all the president said during the phone call. It's all he said with respect to this issue. And basically, let me explain something. This miss on the entire Democrat Party press. This is exactly what the president was talking about. To Zelensky, you know, President Zelensky, you might want to look into some of this and, uh, you know, work with the attorney general. My God, he wants interference in the election. Who does? Trump. Did he mention the election? No, but that's what he meant. Well, he said what he meant. You don't need to say what he meant. He meant what he said. No, you don't understand. I'm reading on National Review and other places that this was an abomination. Not impeachable, but an abomination. I heard Lamar Alexander say the same thing. It must be true. What must be true? He invited Ukraine to interfere in our election. No, he didn't. He wanted them to work with the Attorney General to get to the bottom of this. Well, then they say, that's okay for the Justice Department to do it, but the President shouldn't be involved. Oh, wait a minute. This is fascinating to me. Some of the same people that make the point accurately that the President is the Executive Branch. You won't find the words Department of Justice in the Constitution. That, of course, he has the power doesn't mean in every instance it's the right thing to do, but he has the power to do exactly what the president what the president did. Absolutely. And the president didn't do it in a way that they say he did it. They keep putting words in it. The president told the Ukrainians to interfere in our election. No, he didn't. The president said, either you announce an investigation of Biden or I'm not giving you any money. Doesn't say that. The president brought up military aid. No, he didn't. So they have to lie. They have to spin. They have to create their narrative. And I'm not going to relitigate this. I just want you to understand. I'm making the point. So now the attorney general has announced, hey, look, I get this information from Woody or anybody else. We're going to vet it as carefully as we can. We have to make sure it's kosher. And then we'll look at it. Unlike the Obama administration, which had nothing, it's, hey, Let's put spies in the Trump campaign. Hey, good idea, Frank. Hey, let's lie to a FISA court. Hey, good idea. Hey, the DNC and Hillary Clinton should pay for op research. We'll call it a fancy name like dossier. Hey, that's good. And the media will go with everything we leak to them. True enough. President didn't do any of that. I'll be right back. in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer 
Woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. There's no serious scrutiny of these Democrats running for their party's nomination. No serious scrutiny whatsoever. Maybe they'll ask a couple of questions when they're interviewing them, and then they'll move on. There's no serious research done on these candidates by the media. The research departments, such as they are, more like propaganda departments, their hosts, they're all focused on Trump. I'll give you an example. We know all about Donald Trump's private life. Don't we, Mr. Producer? I don't think we need to know all about Donald Trump's private life, but we know all about it. They tried to knock him out with that NBC clip, you may recall. What do we know about Elizabeth Warren's private life? What do we know about Bernie Sanders' private life? I'll even say, what do we know about Buttigieg's private life or Klobuchar's private life? Can't say a word. What do we know about their children? Do we even know their names? Now we see in the case of Biden, his reprobate Hunter Biden, you're not allowed to talk about him. But Don Jr. and Eric and Lara and, and uh, Ivanka and this one and that, everything's on the table. Everything. What do you know about Bernie Sanders' extended family? You don't know anything. Zero. Nothing. Buttigieg, Nothing. Klobuchar, nothing. And don't ask. Don't ask. And they're not going to look. They're not going to look. It was like Obama's associations. I'm not talking about the birther crap. Obama's associations with domestic terrorists. Don't look. Don't bring that up. Must be a racist. Don't bring up the backgrounds of these Democrats, especially the women. You must be a, what is it? Xenophobe? I, I, I can't get the phobes right. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. Don't bring it up. We know almost nothing about the personal lives. I'm not talking about their sexual preferences. I don't care. We know almost nothing about any scandals they may have. We know everything about Donald Trump. Everything. And none of them have been really put to the test during the course of any of these debates on their positions. They've never really been pressed because they're being asked questions by individuals who are extremely sympathetic to them. And yet, Bernie Sanders, Marxists, are notorious liars. They lie about what they can do. Their promises are bold-faced lies. They lie about what they can do. And yet they can still do enormous damage. So most people say, you know, Bernie Sanders sounds good. You know, he, he believes in the community, the best interests of the people. We had callers here. Remember the other day, last week, I said, I want Bernie Sanders supporters to call. A couple of young guys, right? Right, Rich? Couldn't even explain themselves. Couldn't even, it doesn't matter. Remember what I said. To quote myself, I love it. April 15, 2019. The diabolical genius of Marxism-Socialism is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats to persuade millions of people 
to support their own enslavement to government. And they talk about democracy all the time. What they really mean is mobocracy. And mobocracy gets you what? The iron fist. Mobocracy gets you the iron fist. So none of them have been scrutinized in their person. Well, what about Elizabeth Warren? You know, Native American. Okay, got that. But you don't know anything else about Elizabeth Warren. With Donald Trump, they'll go anywhere and look anywhere to find anything. They'll go to porn, I can't even say stars, porn actresses, they're lawyers, they'll go to uh, Avenatti, it doesn't matter. They'll go to psychologists and psychiatrists who've never met him in his life, who've written books about his psychology, whatever it takes. You'll never see that with a single Democrat candidate, ever. Where are all these psychiatrists in the Ivy League schools writing books about Joe Biden, who clearly has issues, and I'm saying that. In a sad and serious way. Where's all the analysis? There isn't any. What about the 25th Amendment? Should he get elected president? No, no, I can't have that discussion. What about the scrutiny of the Sanderses and how they became multimillionaire? Nah, can't have that discussion. Only Trump. These newsrooms have focused their resources on Trump and only President Trump. And not on any of the Democrats. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. What's your gift this Valentine? How about taking 10, 15, even 20 years off your parents' with breakthrough Genesel jawline treatment. No more turkey neck, double chin, or sagging jawline. And it works amazingly well. Just listen to Linda B. from Marina Del Rey. I love your jawline cream. It really works. I mean, really. And you can see a difference. And people never believe my age. It works. That's a quote. And from now till Valentine's Day, the brand new Genesel jawline treatment is yours free. Free when you order Genesel for bags and puffiness under the eyes. And results in 12 hours. You can get immediate effects. That's also free. So please, seriously, go to Genesel.com or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Say goodbye to that double chin, bags under your eyes. And even those laugh lines and crow's feet are gone. And here's the deal. Guaranteed or your money back. Guaranteed or your money back. No risk. No risk. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. Call in the next 20 minutes. Hello? Hello! And get the Genesel XV Collagen Builder and Eyelid Lift for free. Call in the next 20 minutes. Plus free express shipping. Last week. Last week. Order now. That's 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. You know, we've talked often about this massive debt that's piling up. And each year, these deficits are over a trillion dollars. And the Republicans control the Senate. Prior to a year ago, they controlled the House. And of course, our president is a Republican. But I want you to listen to this from our friend Daniel Horowitz over at Conservative Review. One of the smartest people writing today. 
The title is Trump's budget proposal shows he's willing to cut spending if conservatives would fight for it. It's become a perennial joke. Every year in February, Trump's Office of Management and Budget, OMB, introduces an ambitious budget proposal to slash spending and abolish wasteful programs. So the president is trying. Then by the end of the year, not only is every principle of that proposal jettisoned in the actual budget signed by the president, but the new budget increases spending for every program that's promised to be cut. Yet the fact that the president is willing to put his name on a conservative budget demonstrates that it doesn't have to be this way. If outside conservative organizations, media, and members of Congress would actually stay focused, President Trump's second term can be more fiscally conservative. The few of us who still care about limited government, I count myself definitely among them, experienced heartburn when the president proposed more big government programs without mentioning the debt bomb during what was otherwise a terrific State of the Union address last week. The president railed against socialism and how it destroys nations, then proceeded to propose ideas that can only be described as socialism light. And the typical response I've heard from some colleagues is, well, Trump was never going to be a limited government president. Stick with this whole article. Stick with me. However, that is simply not true, as we see from his willingness to sign on to a conservative budget proposal every year. More conservative than any president in modern history. Sure, the president was never going to make changes to Social Security and Medicare, but everything else, from Medicaid and welfare to foreign aid and domestic non-defense discretionary spending, is all fair game. Unfortunately, unfocused conservatives have allowed Democrats to work with the ineffective GOP leaders in Congress to increase spending to record levels that blow out the shocking levels of the Obama era. And this is a huge problem with McConnell in particular, ladies and gentlemen. He just wants to put these budgets to sleep and get them under the president. (coughs) Annual spending by the Department of Education, for example, is now up to $83 billion, 24% higher in non-inflation-adjusted dollars, 24% higher than during Obama's spend-a-thon in 2009. With a booming job market and record revenue, Spending and deficits are blowing out the levels accrued during the deepest recession in generations. His point there, to put a fine point on it, you know, government, the theory was that government would spend more money when you're facing difficult economic times in the private sector. That's the Keynesian theory. Not exactly, but it's good enough in a a, uh, thumbnail sketch. And what Daniel Horowitz is saying is, well, we're not in a Keynesian period. That is... Our economy is very, very robust. It's vigorous. So why are we doing this? He says, but again, today's budget release demonstrates that it doesn't have to be this way. Trump will sign a bad budget if the swamp consensus coalesces around it. But at the same time, if conservatives work to back the non-swap elements of the administration, pushing for spending cuts the president is clearly okay with, he would sign a good budget as well. In light of the recent increase in spending on foreign aid, the budget proposes cutting 21% from the State Department and international assistance programs. The EPA would be cut by 27% and energy subsidies by 29%. Overall, the budget envisions $2.4 trillion in 10-year cuts to discretionary spending 
and war spending from the baseline forecast and another $2 trillion in reductions from mandatory so-called spending programs such as food stamps and Medicaid. The point is, the president is proposing a serious, fiscally responsible, conservative budget. But it goes to the Republicans and the Democrats in the House and the Senate, and they reject it. Now, the budget does, of course, he points out, include some big government proposals, such as paid family leave entitlement, which I completely reject. It'll be another massive entitlement. However, it also contains a lot of spending cuts. But if conservatives don't stay focused, we will be left with the bad stuff and none of these spending cuts, as has been the case for the first term. The proposal also contains a critical funding increase for ICE, with over 3 million known criminal aliens targeted for deportation who remain in the country. ICE is just 5,000 deportation officers, 5,000 to 3 million. This proposal would increase ICE funding by $1.8 billion, which includes more funding for detention space as well as extra funding to hire several thousand more officers. If nothing else, says Horowitz, this budget demonstrates that the more we keep digging into the red, the further to the left the baseline on spending moves and the harder it will be to dig out. Even this budget, which the media will decry as draconian and heartless to the children, elderly, sick, and puppies, Envisions $4.8 trillion in spending this year. $4.8 trillion in spending this year, which is higher than Obama's final budget for fiscal year 2017, even adjusted for inflation. The total spending over 10 years is projected at $56.3 trillion. Of the $4.6 trillion in projected deficit reductions under the bill, roughly $1.5 billion, that's it is achieved through new revenue projections based on GDP growth, which have failed to achieve precisely because of the growth of deficits. So what Horowitz is saying here, bottom line is, there's good and there's bad in this budget, but there's a hell of a lot of good. And the Republicans should support it, or or at least big chunks of it. if They want to cut the size of government and the deficit. And by the way, no more entitlements. Entitlements are destroying this country. No more entitlements. I'm sorry, Marco. I'm sorry, everybody else. Family leave. Even the so-called big conservatives get behind this stuff, like our friend Mike Lee. No. But we have a different way of funding it. We're going to do No. I've heard that crap before. All right, Mr. Producer, let's take a caller. Do we have any hostiles, number one? Do we have any irregular Americans? No. Well, let's go to regular Americans. Who do you recommend? XM Satellite, Samantha in Colorado. Go. Hi. Thank you for Yellow. taking my call, great one. Thank you. Um, I'm a first-time caller, and I just wanted to thank you because I used to be a flag-flying San Francisco liberal. Um. And then I met a man several years ago who turned me on to your show, and he had me listen to your podcast and read your book, Liberty and Tyranny, and it opened my eyes, and... and well, you're very, very kind. Thank you. Liberty, that's the key, isn't it? Yes. We start with liberty, and we move from there. It's a little yes. more complicated. 
But the left doesn't start from liberty. They never talk about liberty, ever. No. In fact, what they keep describing is tyranny. More government, centralized government, twice the size of government, government health care, government public utilities, government control of uh, college loans, government, government, government. And where does that work exactly? It doesn't. No, it doesn't even work in between their ears. Well, listen, I want to thank you very, very much. I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Your husband sounds great. And God bless you, my friend. And I'll be right back. You know what's coming up, Mr. Producer? I think you do. Valentine's Day. And just because she says she doesn't want anything for Valentine's Day doesn't mean she doesn't deserve anything. And not to worry. I've got the company for you. Books Co. B-O-U-Q-S-C-O. Like bouquets, Books Co. They have you covered. That's Books, B-O-U-Q-S, as in bouquets of flowers. They offer farm-fresh, sustainably sourced flowers for next or same-day delivery. But you got to get going. Order today, and you still get 25% off your entire purchase. That is a big discount right up to Valentine's like this. Go to books.com slash Levin, all right? I'm going to help you with this. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. Ready? B-O-U-Q-S, like books, bouquets, dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. For 25% off with code Levin. You've got to put in the code L-E-V-I-N. And remember, Valentine's Day isn't just for lovers. It can be for family members. Your mother, your daughter, your aunt, your sister... People love flowers, and they love to be appreciated. You think it's cold outside now? Well, wait till you forget Valentine's Day. But even more, this is the company. The Books Co. is here to make your life easier, and they offer more than just roses. You'll find sweet treats, beautifully styled bouquets, plants, gifts, succulents on their site. This Valentine's Day, spread the book love with your first love, your forever love, and your loved ones. Write this down. Go to books.com slash Levin. Use code Levin. You'll get 25% off. B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. Put in code Levin. L-E-V-I-N. You'll get 25% off. And truly fresh, beautiful, magnificent flowers. But you need to act now. Like ASAP. Let's go to Robert. Brooklyn, New York. The great W-A-B-C. Go. Hi. Thanks, Mark, for taking my phone call. You got it. Um... By the way, just one thing, you know, your call screener. Can I just say one thing about your wonderful call screener? He's well, it depends great, what it is. He's a great, great guest host. Very, very good. Thank you. So, he's a great, good man. He's a really good, good man, yeah. yeah. So in terms of Bernie... And Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Valdez, I want to thank you. That's your dad, right, Rich? <laughs> uh, You're the coffee guy. No, just kidding. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Bernie Sanders, he... He, when you can tell someone what they are by the people they associate with. When you're endorsed by someone by Linda Sassor, when people like Omar... Linda Sassor, who is a Marxist anti-Semite, let's just you know define who these people are. Go ahead. Terrible. And I'm reminded of a story about Trotsky, one of the most famous rabbis of the past 200 years, the Chabot Chaim, excommunicated Trotsky. And I just want to point out, when he 
puts out, you know, the response that he's Jewish, that does not excuse his behavior both as an anti-Semite and as an anti-American. Every American, especially every Jewish American, should be appalled at his anti-Americanism, his anti-Semitism. Uh, and, and I want to say something about Bloomberg. He's not much more different than Bernie. But in no way should he, we should accept what Bernie, the, the anti-Semitism. And I agree with you, 100%. The, the true Jew haters are attracted to Bernie for a reason. Uh, and they're attracted to the Democrat Party for a reason. And it's because they're increasingly an anti-Semite party. It's the way it is. It's like the New York Times was a Holocaust cover-up party. And I'll keep saying it till the day I die. All right, Robert. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let's continue. Tim Frisco, Texas, XM Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark, it's an honor to talk to you, sir. I greatly appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Mark, help, help explain something to me. I hear Bernie Sanders. We've heard it. We've heard it. He wants to give everything free away. Help me understand this. He wants, mm-hmm. to, he wants to give free college education to everybody. Mm-hmm. He's a Marxist. He's a socialist. So when typically people go to university, college, to get a degree, they want to build a you know, get educated, obviously. They want to get, you know, maybe go into business, right. uh, make a product or service. They want to make money for their family. They want to make, right. have employees. Where are we going with this? They want well, I'm just saying, what's the, point of, what's the point of free education under a Marxist when you, it's capitalism, when you want to go in there and make money, employ people, when there's, and he hates millionaires, so let's say you get an education, you go in there and make a ton of money. So, hold on. What's your name? Tim? Yes, sir. You made, this is a brilliant point. You're sending these kids into colleges and universities for free, where they're learning, theoretically, some of them, about engineering, manufacturing, chemicals, all kinds of stuff. So when they come out, they can be productive contributors to society. But what Tim's saying, if, if you hate capitalism, then what's the point? They're not all taking political science and philosophy courses, are they? So... Right. That's a great point, Tim. I don't get it. It's like, and he hates millionaires and billionaires, so why... No, 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 no. He likes millionaires now because he is one. Okay. Well, let's say you're a person that goes in there and you come up with a genius product in a college or university, but it's No, I agree with you. I agree with you very, very much. And one of the reasons I have a problem with this so-called populism is because it plays footsie with socialism. And you'll hear these guys go on and on against government, against the swamp, against centralized government that's trying to take out Trump. And that's all true. But that they want to empower these same forces to go after this business, go after that business, uh, to control this, to control that. They are internally uh, inconsistent and incoherent. And that's why they even say, you know, maybe we'll get a lot of Bernie voters for Donald Trump. I hope not. I really hope not. Because the issue is not populism, the issue is liberty. I want to thank you, Tim, for really an excellent call. Great point. And just to underscore it, because things move fast. What he's saying is, why do we need free college education for everyone if the purpose of college education, you know, outside of a basic liberal arts degree, whether it's these areas of, uh, of a study, physics, chemistry, engineering, manufacturing, so forth and so on, when Bernie Sanders is running on an ideology that destroys all these enterprises. It's a great point. We'll be right back.
here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Now, I want to talk about what's going on in New York City with the magnificent NYPD. You know, I have a personal love for the NYPD. I started my show on WABC, and when I come to New York... The police officers are always very, very kind to me. And this is a police department that has an extraordinarily difficult task. New York City is the target of terrorism and constant attempts to create anarchy. It's the greatest concentration of human beings in the United States. We have in New York a huge illegal alien population. So the cops don't even know who's really there half the time. You see growing anti-Semitism in Brooklyn, particularly in some black communities, which goes unaddressed in any serious way. You have so-called bail reform, which is not bail reform. It is an act by the city government that has as its purpose to put violent criminals back on the street for political purposes and to attract a vote. It's anarchy in many respects. And meanwhile, the NYPD still tries to do its job. Wasn't that long ago where a POS walked up to a cruiser and executed two of the police officers? Remember that, Mr. Producer? And what's going on in New York now is a disgrace. And this is the way Fox reports it. Gunmen who targeted NYPD officers in two premeditated attacks as violent past previous shootout with cops. So right away you say, well, what the hell is this guy doing on the street? Well, that's a good question. But the people vote for politicians who put people like this on the street and who appoint judges who put people on the street like this. The gunmen who targeted New York City police officers... In back-to-back shootings over the weekend, Wounding 2 has a history of violence that includes a prior gun battle against cops and an attempted murder conviction from nearly two decades ago, investigators said. Now, I don't know how you're on the street after this. The still unnamed suspect who police believe carried out two assassination attempts on officers in the Bronx less than 12 hours apart had been paroled in 2017 after an attempted murder conviction in 2017. 02, says Police Commissioner Dermont She. How is it that a police commissioner doesn't resign in protest? How can you be a police commissioner under a mayor to come? I'm, I'm quite serious. In 2002, the, suspect, the suspected gunman had shot him and carjacked a woman as he fled. His bid to escape came to an end when he crashed the car and traded gunfire with NYC officers. Since his parole more than two years ago, parole, parole, he has 
one recorded arrest for which he was already scheduled to appear in court. See what's going on here? And it goes on. Now, I don't know what you do about this. You see what's happened to the great city of Baltimore. Their police force is now a shambles. It's an incredibly dangerous city, the entire city. The people there, many of them are stuck there in these poor, crime-ridden neighborhoods. The police have been eviscerated, and you're not allowed to own a weapon to defend yourself for all intents and purposes. This is why we will never give up the Second Amendment. Despite all the propaganda and the great push and the rationalizations. But if you really cared about poor minority people, you'd look at our inner cities and you'd say, these people need to be able to defend themselves. But they can't. Among other things, that they need better schools. Well, the NEA and the AFT is not going to give them better schools. So what do you need? You need school choice, competition. That's something Landmark Legal Foundation and I, and the great president there, Pete Hutchison, among others, has been litigating for decades. And you're up against the NAACP, the AFT, the NEA, and all kinds of uh, public sector unions. And of course, you're up against the Democrat Party. This is an area of great vulnerability politically for the Democrats, and I believe the president's going to try and really focus on this. But that said, look how they attack Rudy Giuliani, a tremendous mayor, the greatest mayor. Truly what? Not Bloomberg. Not Bloomberg, no. No. Giuliani really brought law and order to New York City. He was kind of a ham-handed prosecutor, but as a mayor, he was not. He did the right things. And now they try to ridicule him and humiliate him. But de Blasio, again, they don't really review de Blasio, look at his background, look at what he's been doing and what he's done to that city. Just put the word reform on any left-wing kook idea. Ooh, we have bail reform. It's not bail reform. They're letting dangerous, recidivist criminals out on the street again. That's not reform of any kind. For what it's worth, I want the police there to know that we support them on this program. I'm very sorry about what's going on. I heard one of your uh, union presidents speak out today. He was excellent. And you're really going to have to push hard now, push back in every way you can think of through your union, through various associations, through the public that loves you. The vast majority of the public love you despite what you hear every day. And do everything you can. Because now it's just not, it's not merely a matter of defending your communities and the people in these communities. Now you have to defend yourselves. Water dumped on your heads. You have a stand-on order. Don't do anything about it. Water dumped on your heads. I live in Virginia. I pour water on the deputy sheriff's head. I'm going to pay a price for that. And I should. Disrespect for law and order is disrespect for society. And disrespect for society gets you what? Anarchy. Mobs. Violence. Death. It's a disgrace. 
And this idiot governor just keeps saying, this will not be tolerated. Of course it will, because you're the idiot governor. You tolerate an awful lot. That is, you tolerate an awful lot that's done to other people. Same with the mayor. He's there at the press conference with a very phony, serious look on his face. You're partly responsible for this, you jerk. And that disgusting city council right out of Moscow. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Okay. Did you see uh, last night's Life, Liberty, and Levin? I hope you did. Professor Randy Barnett, Georgetown Law School, who's been on my radio show before, was outstanding. Clear thinking, plain spoken, takes complicated concepts, makes them quite easy. He was, he was terrific. And uh, I hope many of you got to watch it live, or at least DVR'd it. Let me take a couple of calls before we move on here. People have been waiting. Joyce, Syracuse, New York, XM Satellite, go! Hey, Mark. So we have a friend who immigrated from Poland, and Uh what he told us was the way that the government there pays for everyone's free education is once you're done with school and you go to work, you're basically working for the government because they take your pay. That's how they pay for education. Well, what will happen one day, should Bernie be president, either of this country or of Russia, what will happen down the road is you'll get free education. It'll turn into propaganda, indoctrination, and you'll get to contribute to society with a uh, hammer and a sickle, building things the government wants you to build and digging things the government wants you to build. It's really a fantastic way to live. It really is. Everybody lives in happy times and kumbaya moments. We've never seen anything like this before. You have doubts? I, you know, I'm Trump all the way. My husband, my family, Trump all the way. All right, then you have doubts about Bernie. Thank you for your call. The answer is yes, we have doubts, of course. Let us go to Rob, Jersey City, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. 
Hi, Mark. You and I have spoken a couple of times uh, a long time ago about the 17th Amendment, and uh, I wanted to ask a question about the uh, Electoral College, and that is that uh, if the Electoral College was abolished, would that mean that now the Senate would be restructured so that uh, Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming might have one senator and California might have... Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but it doesn't make sense to have the Senate, does it? No. I mean, if, uh, if, if, if the motivation is democracy and not republicanism and not federalism, then why have states? Then why have the Senate? Why have any of these, these uh, things? And, of course, they're all in place in order to protect us as individuals. And, and when my uh, good friend, uh, Professor Barnett, was talking about the Electoral College, we have a slight disagreement over the, uh, over the nature originally of the Electoral College and why it was put in place. There are many reasons why it was put in place. They tell us why they put it in place. And those reasons are as good today as they were yesterday, as far as I'm concerned. But, but all that said, um, yeah, you have to restructure everything, because otherwise none of it makes any sense. And Bernie Sanders makes no sense. Why do you need two senators from Vermont if you have two senators from California? But we're not a parliamentary system. We're not interested in that kind of system. We have a system that is set up that's quite different than the British system or any other parliamentary system that has as its purpose to limit the size of the central government. Otherwise, you wouldn't create what they created, would you? No. May I ask you one more question? Yeah. Uh, what would be the possibility that if Barr brought some criminal charges against some of these people in Washington, that the trial might take place in, like, Greene County, Tennessee, or, you know... Uh, zero, because none of the events happened in Greene County, Tennessee. Okay. You need to have a location that is tied to the main events. Okay, can't be a federal court in another location. No, it can't. Okay. All right? All right, hey, thanks a lot. You got it. Let's continue, shall we? I think we shall. Good caller. Come on, come on. Uh, Who do I have, Mr. Producer? I can't read this damn thing. What? Oh, Chris John or Tom. You said Chris John Tom. Billy Bob, Chris John Tom? I don't know. Chris, Lynchburg, Virginia. Listening on the great WMAL. How about that? Go. Yeah, hey. I am Chris, and I'm only Chris. And Congratulations. The only thing I've ever been. Yes. But, yeah, no. So, no. so you say, sir. Can you prove that? <laughs> yeah, my, my PE license says so. Ah, uh, very good. No, it's just to say. I, I, I had a question for you. I mean, how do we, how do we defeat someone who uses words like conservatism when it's responsibility. Mm-hmm. We've got to say it's responsible conservatism. I mean, really, the word is responsible. When on 9-11, <coughs> when my kids called me from the house, we were homeschooling the kids, and they said, Daddy, what just happened in New York? I was like... I, I'm, I'm not sure we've built a society around the word responsibility. I think we build a society around the word liberty, and then from there, we develop a society, and we make voluntary decisions on what that society is going to look like. Obviously, responsibility is important, but the word liberty, even by itself, is not good enough. The word virtue and the word liberty, those two words are what's crucial. Virtue gives you responsibility, judgment, temperament, and so forth and so on. So I think that's what you're trying to say. I think so. But it's, it's a matter of uh, how do we defend ourselves? I mean, during I'm tired Virginia, of defending myself. It's time to go on the attack. Yeah, and, well, look, and, and look, there's no easy answer, Chris. I mean, 
can't say, uh, I get these guys. How do we do this? Why should this? No. There's they a group. There's, there, let me give you an example. There's a group called Convention of States. You ever hear that? Yeah, I did, as a matter of fact. And how about how old were Hold on, we- hold on, hold on. And they're fighting in every state of the country to get our Constitution back. So people ask me, what can I do? And I ask them, are you involved in that movement? No, but I like it. So it's not about what can we do. I say this all the time. It's what can I do? What can Chris do? What can Mark do? What can this one do? The, 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 the plural, what can we do, means you're not going to do anything. And I'm not talking about you per se. I'm just saying as a general rule. I- all right, my friend. Thank you for your call. What can we do? No, it's what can you do? One human man- being can make a huge difference. A huge difference. John, Minneapolis, Minnesota, XM Satellite. How are you, John? I'm well, Mark. How are you? Good. Say, um, I think that you know you were talking earlier about the, how the Democrats were so excited because Barr was going to uh, investigate what uh, Giuliani had, you know, put information he had. And I think part of the problem is that the definition that you and I think of investigate, where you know you take a look and see if you can find out what the truth is, is different from what the Democrats use it for. In their minds, you investigate so you can dig up dirt to smear and destroy your opponent. And well, that's true, but I don't think they're that earnest that it's a definitional issue with them. They want to destroy their opponent, which is us, which is the president and so forth. And they want their uh, candidates, potential candidates, to live in a bubble. So they're totally and completely untouched. And you even saw this through Obama's presidency, uh, the things that that administration did, including up to and including uh, sending uh, spies into the Trump campaign. Obama didn't know, they tell us, BS, including uh, shutting down the Tea Party movement temporarily through the IRS, which had an effect effect on the election uh, in his second term. So... uh, I would argue they're much more diabolical than this. Thank you for your call, my friend. Terry, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go. Hey, Mark, how are you? Terry, how are you, buddy? Good. As far as the police go, I... You're, 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 you're a police officer. No, I, I was an MP in the service, but... Okay. I wanted to have a Blue Lives Matter day. On the golf course. On the golf course? Yeah. Open up the course to the PDs all over the United States and let them play golf for free. Well, I think they'd appreciate it. But, I know uh, they would. But I'm not sure we would have a golf course where we could open it up to cops all over the country. I don't even know how they'd get there. I, I'm just saying. Some of them would participate. Others wouldn't. Right. But those guys are... I think they need to have our backs, and we need to get involved in these elections in New York and Baltimore and so forth, even though they're one-party rule pretty much. Uh, within the Democrat Party, there is complete nut jobs, and then there's sort of quasi-nut jobs, just the way it is. And uh, if you really care about the cops, you've got to do something about the civilian leadership. That's the bottom line. I appreciate it, though. And by the way, when you see a police officer on the street, I don't care what city. Tell them thank you and hello. My wife and I do this all the time. It's very important. It makes a difference. I'll be right back.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. I'm of the opinion that one of the only ways seriously left to get our Constitution back is through the Convention of States. You've heard me talk about it a lot, wrote about it, and Mark Meckler runs the organization, and is pushing the charge in state after state. And we have an update for you in South Dakota, so that people in South Dakota can act in a timely way to help South Dakota to join the other states that are pushing to defend our Constitution. Mark Meckler, how are you and what's going on? I'm doing great, Mark. I'm excited. I was in South Dakota late last week, testified in committee. We've got some great leadership there. We came out of committee yesterday, and it is now moving to a floor vote tomorrow. It's really exciting, but I think it's going to be very close. I'll tell you, the most frustrating part, the most difficult part is the Republican opposition is using the same talking points, the Hillary Clinton talking points, the George Soros talking points, and they're working with Eagle Forum and Concerned Women of America and the John Birch Society, and they're working to spread fear and defeat the Convention of States. I think it's going to be really close tomorrow. So it's crucially important that the people in South Dakota contact their state representatives right now or first thing in the morning. Yeah, look, they can email tonight. They can, they can go online and find them. It's amazing because we have a supermajority of Republicans there. We have a majority of them on board. But you've got some that are just scared and they're listening to the scare tactics of a couple of Republicans, really. And, and the like I said, the Eagle Forum, some of these groups that are so-called conservatives We have a really great speaker there, Steve Hoggard. He's thoughtful. He's got a great legal mind. He's been very supportive. The majority leader, Qualm, he's a co-sponsor. He stood up in favor before, and I'm looking forward to him to lead us to victory with the caucus. But we've got these a few recalcitrant Republicans that are a problem for us. Most of these people do not understand this subject. They haven't taken time to actually learn about this subject. They buy into the fear-mongering. This is not a constitutional convention. It is not possible for it to be a constitutional convention. It is not possible to have a runaway convention since it still takes 38 state conventions or state legislatures to amend the Constitution. This is simply a way of going around Congress pretty much and going directly to the state legislatures in order to get our Constitution back. What do these people recommend? What's the alternative? 
You know, I'll tell you, I asked that question in committee, Mark. I do this all the time. And I said, I would ask any of our opponents, people who claim to be constitutionalists, who all agree with us that the country is being lost right now, that we have a runaway Congress, that D.C. is out of control. I ask them, what's their solution? I can tell you the answer I get is they look like deer in headlights. They have no solution. They're willing to let the country slide into the abyss. And here's the difference. You and I and the millions of people who are members of your organization and the millions of people listening to this program, we embrace the Constitution. The Constitution has this alarm bell. Uh, it, it, it should be a, a normal practice. It should be something that can be done to protect us from the unconstitutional conduct of Washington, D.C. that's been going on for 100 years. There's no other way to fix this because Congress is not going to do it. The courts aren't going to do it. Either we believe in state legislatures or we don't believe in state legislatures. And it's the only way to do this, and it's the constitutional way. Meanwhile, Mark Meckler, they've gone behind the Constitution through the back door to fundamentally alter this form of government, have they not? They absolutely have, and the unbelievable part, the frustrating part, is you have folks that call themselves conservatives that are willing to go along with this, that are willing to stand by, that are actually standing against this constitutional remedy, and they're using Democrat talking points to do it. They're using Hillary Clinton talking points. It's unbelievable. All right, so the, uh, the action here is for Levinites in South Dakota to contact their state representatives tonight, if they can, through email, or to uh, call them first thing in the morning and make sure you're civil, but make sure you're heard, because this is crucially, crucially important. We need to pick up some more states. And I predict, Mark Meckler, if we get to 20 or over 20, we'll really have their attention then. How many do we have right now, 14? We have 15 right now, Mark, and, and we look really good, I think, in South Dakota. By the way, this week also votes in South Carolina, looking really good. The House resolution has 45 co-sponsors. Speaker Jay Lucas there in support. We look really good in West Virginia. I'll be in South Carolina on Thursday, West Virginia on Friday. Got the West Virginia Speaker of the House, Roger Hanshaw, big supporter. So this week we could actually pass the houses in South Dakota, South Carolina, and West Virginia. And if we pass the Senate in all of those, that would take us to 18. Fantastic. Fingers crossed and keep up the great work, you and your uh... Your army there. God bless you. Oh, by the way, Thanks, if people Mark, want to God learn more, where do they go? Go to conventionofstates.com. Get involved. Don't just learn. Get involved. Call your state legislators, conventionofstates.com. All right. Thank you, sir. Take Thanks, care Mark. of yourself. That's unbelievable. We're on the precipice in three states. Can you imagine if we have 18 of them? Just keep plowing ahead, plowing ahead. You know, over the last few days... We've lost three people who you're quite familiar with. Robert Conrad. The Wild Wild West used to be my favorite show. Hands down. Orson Bean was a great patriot. It was very kind to me. Very kind to me. And Kirk Douglas. was 103, I believe. Three iconic figures. And they will be missed. We now have people in Hollywood, this is reported today, who pay Obama speechwriters and consultants to write their speeches for the Academy Awards. Did you read that, Mr. Producer? They're paying a fortune for these leftists to write their speeches. They can't even give a speech. These are, of course, former drama students, some of whom are intelligent, most of whom are not. They're in the land of pretend. So they back Bernie Sanders... (laughs) 
But anyway, I mean, it's a terrible thing. So they actually have Obama officials, former Obama officials, writing their speeches. It reminds me of uh, this guy, Benny Gantz, in Israel. He runs this thing called the Blue and White Party. They created this party to destroy Netanyahu. And it's a mix of all kinds of groups, ideological groups, factions, that'll never get along. He's even reached out to the Arab parties, and you need to understand, the Arab parties in Israel do not support the state of Israel. This guy's a former general. He reaches out to the Arab parties to get support, even though they wouldn't be in the government, but still to get their votes and support, even though they don't believe in the state of Israel. He's reached out and got all kinds of left-wing groups. He's gotten certain Likud members who have gone astray. Uh, And then there's this guy, Lieberman. And he hangs around seven or eight or nine Knesset members, and he's the key. Because if they supported Likud and Netanyahu, Netanyahu would have been prime minister again the first time around. But he holds them back because he hates Netanyahu. He pretends he holds them back. Most of them are Russians. He pretends he holds them back because he's very upset with the really religious parties who don't want to participate in the army. That's not why. That's not why. That's, that's a fraudulent argument. And so it's really Lieberman, Lieberman, who's causing all this tumult in Israel. But it's even worse. The forces arrayed in Israel, they not only want to defeat Netanyahu on March 2nd, they want him to go to prison. They want to send him to prison. That's what happens when you have a, a governmental system that is utterly out of control. And you've seen me do an entire show with my buddy Arthur Ferguson on Levin TV on how bogus these charges are. They're outrageous. The President of the United States has been Israel's best friend. But the Prime Minister of Israel has been Israel's best leader. And they're able to work together. But here's the thing about Benny Gantz and the so-called Blue and White Party. His top advisors, his top advisors, Political advisors and pollsters work for Obama. The point is that Benny Gantz is in the back pocket of the Democrat Party in America. And should he win and Netanyahu lose come March 2nd, it's going to be much, much, much more difficult to institute this peace plan between the United States and Israel. It just is. It just is. And it causes me no end of frustration and trouble. And I've raised this with you before. We're going to wait a few months until after the election. Why? You're going to get more Arab countries? And why are you kowtowing to them? It doesn't even make any sense. The people who will implement this are the people of Israel. That's an immediate trigger, or as close to an immediate trigger as you can have. We'll see how this plays out. If this is screwed up after March 2nd, heads are going to roll. In this country. Heads are going to roll. I'm just telling you. Because the warnings have been made. By a lot of people. That this is a very very dangerous course. Might work. God willing it will. I certainly hope it does. But it may not. It's a great great risk. For Israel. (coughs) For the people of Israel. And the, uh, the Prime Minister, as I look at this, I haven't talked to him, can't really do very much about it. 
what's he going to do? Start annexing Judea and Samaria and other areas of Israel in defiance of the president? That won't go over very well in the White House, I can't imagine. I personally think it's a big mistake. I really do. I don't think the Palestinians are ever going to come along. The United Nations is not going to come along. But Mark, this isn't about Netanyahu. I got it. But it is about Netanyahu in this sense. He'll get this done. Benny Gantz has two senior advisors who have called our president Hitler. Talked about him reading Mein Kampf. They still work for him. They still work for Benny Gantz. Benny Gantz has ties to the American Democrat Party. And the American Democrat Party does not want the President of the United States to have a success overseas. So they talk about a few months after the March 2nd election, you know, then we'll be able to work this out. But what if Gantz is getting back-channeled by the very people who are advising him on how to defeat Netanyahu? Tell him the top to tap the... uh, The brakes. You already have the former ambassador to Israel from the United States, a guy by the name of Dan Shapiro. Real low life. He's already announced, and he's tied into the Democrats. The Democrats are not going to go for this. They're not going to do it. So Gantz is beholden not to Trump, but to the Democrat Party. Obama and his ilk. Whereas Netanyahu is shoulder to shoulder with the President of the United States. So this is a fairly treacherous situation that's been created here in my view unfortunately we'll see how this plays out i'll be right back amac the association of mature american citizens is one of the fastest growing organizations in america now over two million conservative members strong and i'm one of them AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You see what's going on in China. I guess they have government-run health care over there, don't they, Mr. Producer? This uh, coronavirus is completely out of control, affecting tens of millions of people, perhaps hundreds of millions at this point. The police take tactics, kick in immediately. People are forcibly removed, sent into these centers where they're likely to die. And you have no say about anything. When people attack our healthcare system, you need to look around the world. This is the finest healthcare system in the world. Nothing's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Society's not perfect. So what? But it's a great society. It's a far more perfect society. 
There's people over there now suffering by the millions. And we don't even have the truth of the facts. So I wanted to point that out. One other thing. Not that most of you care about this, but what can I tell you? It's my show. My mother passed away exactly one year ago today. 9.30 in the morning Eastern Time. As I stood by her and held her hand. And I've talked about my father a lot. And for good reason. I haven't really talked much about my mother. My mother was the entrepreneur. My mother was the one who started the small businesses. And they were very small. Nursery school. Summer camp. Then a little retail shop outside of Philadelphia. In a place called Jenkintown on Willow Grove Avenue. And they worked hard, very, very hard. They didn't have any guaranteed income. The only pension they had was any money they put aside for themselves. They didn't have any guaranteed medical plan. Whatever medical plan they had, they paid themselves. And they never complained. They complained about the people who demanded more. But they never complained about their circumstances. Because they always provided for their children. Always. But it was the kind of business, a retail business that sold some porcelains and furniture and so forth, that if the economy went south, you know, their business went south because it's not, you know, like food or that sort of thing. And my father always said he wanted to pass away first, and he did. Almost four months to the day before my mother did. I just want my mom to know, who's looking down, that we miss her enormously and love her very, very much. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you all. Thank you for being here. And I will see you tomorrow. Take care.